0: Come on, Coxie. Let's get this over with.
1: (laughs) Okay, this one isn't as good as the last time we recorded. What kind of mushroom? Oh, no, I've got it the the end of the joke at the beginning. Yes, I got it right. (laughs) Oh, hang on now. I have to find another one. Why did the boy throw his clock out the window? I don't know. Because he wanted to see time fly. Welcome to the Tradies in Business podcast with your hosts, Warwick Bidwell and Nicole Cox. Divert your phone and grab a brew as Was and Nick unpack tips, tales, secrets and stuff-ups from guests both inside and outside your trade. Helping educate and inspire you to break the cycle of gut-busting and money stress and create a true trade business.
0: Boom, boom. I want to know what the mushroom one was.
1: Oh, what kind of room doesn't have doors? I <laughs> let myself down big time.
0: Actually, there's a good sig- segue? A segue there, Coxie, mm-hmm. because I reckon you're going to feel like a bit of a mushroom today. I think I will
1: feel very much <laughs> like a mushroom, but maybe this will raise my cool mum status just kind of a little
0: bit. <laughs> You can tell all the young people you know that you chatted with Mike Ross.
1: Yes, I can, except Mike. they're going to think of a different Mike Ross. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Mike, welcome to the podcast.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me, guys.
0: Oh, it's our pleasure, mate. Well, it's my pleasure. Coxie doesn't know what we're even talking about
2: today. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, talk- pick it up. Yeah. We're talking about um,
0: electrician salaries and mountain bikes.
1: Mm. There you go.
0: <laughs> Mike, uh, you are, uh, well, you recently won a Crankworks gold medal, which now I know what that means because I'm a mountain bike tragic. and I can I- have
1: a punter this one.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Doesn't a bike have a crank?
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Yes. There you go. Hello. I know about. Yeah, coxswaking. yeah.
0: It does well done, Coxy. Go. I'm gonna make. I'm gonna make Nicole watch one of the crankworks events no. so she knows. For sure. Actually, you should have watched this, Coxy, because. Mike does some mad stuff on a push bike. Absolutely I mad stuff. I'd
1: just have a heart. I'd put my mum hat on and be worried about you hurting yourself. <laughs> <laughs> <I wasn't
2: laughs> at all. Uh it, it it looks it looks like we're just throwing ourselves around, but I think once you see it and you see how calculated we yeah. really are, it's, yeah. it's 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 not too bad and. I think my mum would be one to to back that up. Like she trusts my my writing and my the way I think about stuff. And mm. so I think once you once you sort of figure it out and know that we're not actually just crazy. going for broke, then um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, there's a bit of crazy still in there. Don't worry about that. But um, yeah, it's it's a lot more calculated than what it just looks like on TV. That's for sure.
1: I'm pleased to hear it. Somebody needs to tell Mike about this, and if you don't out yourself, I'm going to. No,
0: I'd leave that for later. So, Mike, tell our <laughs> listeners, uh, tell our yeah. listeners, give us a bit of backstory, mate, because our listeners love to know about the people that we have yeah. on the show. And normally, we talk to people about, you know, tax strategies and SEO and cash flow and all that sort of exciting stuff. Um, and I'm just stoked that we get to talk about something that I'm actually passionate about, which is mountain (laughs) bikes, but give our listeners a bit of backstory, mate. So they know who we're chatting with today.
2: Um, I guess I'll just start from when I finished school. So I did my year 12 and just went straight into my trade of, um, electrical trade basically. And the reason for just going straight into work is so that i could have money to fund my my writing and my writing career and um it's taken 10 years of hard work and heaps of saturdays and sundays and all that overtime and to um to get to the point where i'm at now and where just recently this year I've been able to quit my job and all my sponsors have seen my potential and have come on board to sort of help me out um, so yeah I've finally like living that young boy's dream of not working and riding to yeah riding to live basically it's been it's been an amazing journey
1: it's incredible
0: the epitome of the uh, lifetime to become an overnight success
2: yeah, isn't
0: it? thing that people talk about. Cause I think you've recently turned 30, mate, or you're there or thereabouts, Mike.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Last year. Yep.
0: Yep. So, you know, 10 years to get to this stage uh, and you were riding uh, like, when did you actually start this passion for bikes? When did that start for you?
2: I probably started before I even knew. Um, <laughs> so my Mum and dad are also in the the um, the trade industry and they, um, they have their own businesses and stuff like that as well. And um, I used to get dropped off to a friend of ours and I used to ride my little plastic tricycle like down some <laughs> stairs. Like <laughs> three, You were one of those kids. Yeah, like two, three years old. Like I just crashed down these stairs, pick it up, walk back and then just do it again like so i think i've always had a, a passion for for bike riding but yeah i've i've done it pretty much my whole life
0: yeah wow that's a long time to stick at one thing
2: mm. yeah well it's what i love most in this world basically and yeah that's why i'm still doing it i just have a ball doing it and yeah it gives me a life hmm <laughs>
0: So uh, how on earth do you balance that with electrical? Like they're, they're worlds apart in my mind at least.
2: Yeah, it's um, since stopping working and riding at this level and doing the amount of training that I'm doing now, I don't know how I did it before. Mm. Like I, I have no idea how I fit in 40 plus hours a week plus another 40 plus hours a week of writing and training on top of that. Like mm. it's kind of insane, but I see it in um, a lot of my mates. They're sort of young going through their apprenticeships and stuff too. And they're like, Oh, it's so hard. It's so hard. It's so hard. I'm like, yeah, yeah, it sucks. Like it's the worst, <laughs> but like you, you gotta want it. Like, mm. and I think it comes down to how much you're willing to do. Like I put my, whole life savings and all of my long service and everything I had into last year so that I could get overseas and live basically the life that I want to live. Mm. Um, and I was lucky or well, not lucky, but I worked hard enough that I was able to get some really nice positive results. And from there this year, I've been able to yeah, transfer that uh, sacrifice into yeah, living what I think any young person would, would love to do. Hey, it's Gosh, not just like the young
0: people it. that dream about it. <laughs> you know, I'd love to be a professional mountain bike rider. Yeah, well.
2: yeah. I shouldn't say. I shouldn't say everybody's dream. Really, like you know what I'm saying.
1: <laughs> do what you love. Um, yeah. Mike, how come last year was the year? Like, what what made that the mm. pinnacle time for you to throw it all in mm. and give it a crack?
2: Yeah. Well, the year before was uh yeah the the COVID years, I guess you would say. Yeah. Um. And that was very challenging for a lot of people, especially um, myself who always traveled overseas constantly for um, competitions and stuff. So it was the first year that I was able to get back to these events that I was starting to do before that.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, but it was also the year that my long service became available. So I had
3: mm-hmm.
2: that nice chunk of mm. money like boosting my um my savings that I had already, that gave me the opportunity to have that much time off and, yeah, to get it done really. Cool.
1: I imagine it must take a – actually, this is feels like a really dumb thing to say and it's true. I think it deserves pointing out. The amount of discipline that it would take to complete your apprenticeship and be training 40-odd hours a week so that you can create this result is – quite sensational is that something that you have always had or something your parents instilled in you or how did how did that
2: ha- happen for you um I think I just I think it just comes from within really it comes from a real pure place within me like I really like I have failed so much at riding and had all these crashes and lost all these competitions and sacrificed so much in my life but I still it all sort of brings me joy so mm. I, I never really saw it as a sacrifice apart from like going to work. And then once I finish work, then I get to go right. So it, was, it wasn't really a, uh, yeah, it wasn't really like a conscious decision. It was just something that, cool, now I've, I've finished work for the day. Now I get to go right. It's incredible
1: mm-hmm. to me to think about how exhausted you must have been. Yeah. <laughs> it
3: just,
2: oh, yeah. yeah, it was tough. It was, I, I definitely wouldn't say it was easy. <laughs> um it is hard yep and i think the reason why you keep going is because i just yeah i love it so much basically yeah
0: mike have you been with the same i assume you're employed you know talking about long service i don't know any yep. small business owners that pay themselves long service leave uh, <laughs> but were you with the same employer for that whole time
2: um i was for the last six years i was with um To a local electrical company and then for the four or so years before that i was with um yeah my old man's company
0: yeah cool yeah how how, like were they supportive of of your time because it must as an employer ourselves here and you know working with Mm small business owners there surely must have been some concern from them about you know the risks to you you come off your bike and you can't work and they're down an employee and all the the stuff that goes along with that like were there concerns there, and how did you manage that with your employer?
2: Um, it was really quite an like an organic relationship between the two, so we used to subcontract to the company that I ended up working for, so we already knew everybody within, mm-hmm. so it was like quite an easy transition, and they already knew what i what I did outside of working so as soon as I came over, I think maybe two or three weeks into starting i needed to have a week off to go ride a show at the formula one like and they're like yeah sweet as all right we'll see you see you in a week like I yeah that. i they i can't praise them enough about how supportive they were with my writing and and um yeah stuff like that it's really i think it's really unique and it says a lot to the uh just the company in general and how they are with their employees and just the respect that goes both ways like it's always we work with you. We no, You don't work for us. We work with you. Like it's not a – it was just, yeah, just a really nice, yeah, comfortable place to work for sure.
3: Hmm. It's like
0: uh, gold standard uh, for, for how to treat employees and keep mm. them. Oh, exactly
2: right. Exactly right. Yeah.
0: So, Mike, are you, are you a better electrician or a better mountain bike rider? Which one is, is uh, your strong point?
2: <laughs> I always said, like, if I put as much effort into <laughs> – working as i did riding, i'd run the show like <laughs> yeah yeah who knows and i'll maybe i'll go back <laughs>
0: yeah. well you got something to pardon the pun you got something to fall back on uh you know if, if the bike yeah. doesn't work out mate
2: yeah yeah and like when i left they said as soon as you're ready to come back like we'll have you back so yeah That's it's fantastic. really
1: good it's good really follow, encouraging
2: right? yeah yeah
1: Mike, I imagine your parents would have had to have given you a lot of support over the years as well, um, particularly if you were doing a lot of travel. What did that look like for them? Is this something you were doing since you were a teen or just since you were an adult and left home?
2: Yeah. Yeah. So I pretty much started traveling when I was like 17, 18, um, just going to New Zealand and America, mm-hmm. stuff like that. And yeah, they're always supportive. Like they one they wanted to come with because that's what they enjoy as well so they always came and they picked up the hire cars and drove us around and yeah they're they're coming up to Cairns next week to nice. hang out for a week and a bit and watch and yeah I think they really enjoy it as well so it's a that's nice family cool. family mm. thing so and that was always supportive like not once did they say no you probably shouldn't do that they were always yeah let's figure it out let's make it happen
0: mm
1: been surrounded like, by some good people, Mike.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I definitely know how lucky I am.
0: Mike, mm. sure. <laughs> I, um, I used to be a, a motorcycle tragic as well and follow the MotoGP. Yeah. And I followed Casey Stone's story like so many Australians, uh, you know, over the last 20 years, I guess. And something that stuck out for me with his story and reading his book and everything was was that family support and the sacrifice that family had to make. Yeah. Yep. Um, particularly for an Australian sports person, an Australian athlete to compete on the world stage. Um, d- do you feel like Aussies are at a disadvantage, I guess? Um, and, and is, is, you know, mountain biking a similar sort of thing? Like, is it hard because they're minority sports, you know, they're not backed by the government. They don't get yeah. massive TV airtime. Like how have you guys found that?
2: Yeah, we are at, a huge disadvantage, um, especially when it comes to athletes. One, athletes being paid, and two, the facilities we'd need to to ride at mm. the level that we need to ride at. Mm. And um, so, for example, Australia as an industry, uh, the size of California, just oh, wow. California in America in the mountain bike industry. So oh. we're this huge continent with not that many people to be perfectly honest. And Mm. that just cascades down Mm. through all the levels. So I'm lucky enough to be getting some support, um, from some really good people. And I'm so grateful for that. Um, and recently we started a GoFundMe to, um, just to help me finish this year, like get Mm. me through to the end of the season. Mm. Um, and yeah it's kind of restored my faith in humanity with all the people that have donated it's yeah it's like I like I, I'm not one to ask for help like i mm-hmm. I normally just soldier on and get it done and make it happen but um yeah I'm super grateful for that. but um, the second one is the facilities that we have to ride. so every facility that I've needed to ride, so the big ramps, mm. airbags and stuff like that, um, we've had to build ourselves. So, so not only are we funding ourselves, we're also building the facility ourselves. Um, which, with the current the way things are going, it could change,
1: mm-hmm. and
2: I've no doubt it will. It's just Australia's just ten years behind everyone else. <laughs>
1: makes it hard to compete on an international level, doesn't it? Yeah,
2: that's right. So I guess a footy player would have to go and build his own oval and yeah,
1: exactly. mow the
2: grass and paint some lines on there and then, <laughs> Put the and, then and then at the end of the week, he's got to go play the game on top of that, so yeah
3: exactly that, so
2: that's that's kind of a bit of an example on what we have to do. So last week, mm-hmm. I spent probably twenty hours in an excavator digging our new spot and getting that ready.
1: Wow. Um, Mike, um, competing internationally, you know, that's very expensive as well. It takes a lot of time. And I dare say, are you able to arrive early so that you can prepare with those tracks so you understand? Is tracks even the right word? Sorry if it's not. Yeah, Uh, that's fine. If if you're able to prepare for the track so you know, because the little bit I've seen is, it looks yeah. to me as an uninitiated person, there's a lot of the unknown on the track and so you'd want to have spent some time getting familiar with the track before you get to write. Is that something that happens or is it blind the way that it looks?
2: Yeah, so normally you get a few hours of practice beforehand. Um, the speed and style, what I um, won gold in in Rotorua, we had about three, four-ish hours of practice before mm-hmm. the event started to so. Um, It's it's not a lot of time. There's not a lot much. of time. Not no, lot of time. Um, nothing. But uh, yeah, I guess that's when the practice at home pays off. Yep. Yeah. You, t- you turn up ready to go, and you tick your goals off, and yeah, mm-hmm. hope for the best.
1: It's exhausting too. Like you're doing three to four hours of prep. If I take it back to football mm-hmm. players, I've got three football players. Mm-hmm. They show up, more, maybe two hours before the game, and a lot of it's like the mental stuff that they're doing with coaches and coaching staff. Yep. And then it's um, warming up, warming up isn't for two to three hours on racing around a track to make sure I know what it looks like. And then they go out and play. Yep. So it's really different. Like it, they're even well supported in that area in terms of um, monitoring and managing their, their energy and their outputs. Yep. Whereas you, I imagine if you've only got two to three hours, to me that doesn't feel like a lot. You'd be You'd be really having to push through on that course so that you can get a good feel and understanding for the course. I, I'm failing to see where the energy energy management comes into this for you to have enough downtime before then you have to race and perform to time.
2: Yeah, exactly. It's, um, it's definitely a, a difficult few hours and you are literally running on adrenaline the whole time and the event finishes and you fall over. <laughs>
1: <laughs> wow. I don't even yeah. know how you show up to work after that.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I go, used to say I used to go to work to rest, but, <laughs> <laughs> at least physically work was easier <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Like is, is this an olympic sport
2: no so oh, there's yeah. um cross country i think is in the olympics
3: yeah okay. pretty
2: sure and uh, bmx freestyle mm-hmm. was in the olympics um just recently mm-hmm. so it's a freestyle aspect mm-hmm. so we have two jumps that we jump on but you're also side by side Mm-hmm. with um, another competitor that's only a meter away. and then you go up these huge ramps and these huge jumps and you're flipping and spinning right next to each other, landing side by side again and then having to pedal around another bit of the course, do another jump with more insanity and then somehow cross the line. and but then you got to do that swap sides. Oh, you gotta wow. do So you do one one on one side, one on the other side, swap sides, same again and then if you win you go through and you do that over and over and over until you get through about 16 people.
1: Holy moly. Yeah. Okay, I'm really glad as a mum that my kids never found this sport. <laughs> I Don't know if I've got the stamina or my heart would hold out as they're doing some of those things. It's incredible.
2: Yeah, it's um the more I talk to people about it and explain explain it the more it's like, wow, that is actually quite in, quite a lot of effort for what oh. we do here. Yeah.
0: Oh the intensity levels would be off the charts I imagine like the the mental yeah. game to be yeah. backing up again and again on the same course the same jumps yeah. um against different competitors each time and and particularly for the the and style like because it's it's a race and you've got to throw down That's some right. tricks to get points so yeah you know, you're not just all out physicality in terms of fitness and and being fast mm-hmm. you've also got to have a good repertoire and be thinking about what's going to pull the points from the judges so like it's That's right. it's a it's a pretty cool um test i think of of an athlete how on earth do you train for something like that like like how do you prepare yeah. for that sort of event
2: Yeah, uh, I break it down into like two separate things. So I do like a lot of just the trick training, which um, basically is repetition. Mm -hmm. So last week we flew up to Brisbane um, to ride some private facilities that, again, other people have built themselves at their homes Mm. to ride. So we currently don't have one running in Canberra at the moment, but so we flew to Brizzy to go ride with our friends who have one up there um and yeah the past week i think i did the same trick probably like be close to 50 times i think Mm. um so that's for that side of things and then for the racing it's like a lot of pump track which is there's one right out my window just here (laughs) i just finished stuff up um so pump track bmx track um a lot of we also been doing some like sprint training so like Mm-hmm. you go to those cycle classes in the gyms or whatever yeah, yeah. which <laughs> um, you absolutely flog yourself on i'm so glad they they turn the lights off and you can't see anybody cuz <laughs> can't see the red faces <laughs> oh, I, oh man i'm a mess every time i can barely walk out of there Me so I yeah that sort of thing yeah.
1: <laughs> we do do uh, bike training at my pilates studio and i'm just I, i'd like not to vomit at the end of my
2: <laughs> yeah oh yeah <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm i'm with you right there yeah
1: that stuff is nasty but i can see how necessary it would be for that quick turnaround you know the you're constantly on for all of that time is there a break between the the prep time and then race time
2: yeah so normally we have like about an hour of practice on the day so the day the training split up between two days so we have about a three-hour block in one day and then we get like another hour and a half on actual race day Mm -hmm. um and then you go through not only you got to race, but you got to go through qualifying. So oh. that's two runs down, tricks, speed, same thing. Um, and then you go through round of sixteen, eight, four, three, and then if you're lucky enough, you go to the gold medal final. I think so. so. Yeah, and that's two times for each of those as well. So it's
1: it's a lot of endurance.
2: Yeah it's um the first round after training so you get like about half an hour break for the broadcast to to do that that is the hardest round because you've cooled down probably mm-hmm. like 40 50 percent then the first time out of the gate your legs feel so slow yeah like <laughs> and then after that you're just on after that so it gets it kind of gets easier as you as you mm-hmm. go
0: Hey, Tradies in Business was here, sorry to interrupt your listening pleasure, I'm joined by Coxie of course. (laughs) Hello. You may not know this tradie or tradie wife or whoever you are listening to this program, but we're business coaches,
3: (laughs) oh my gosh, that feels weird to say.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But We do actually work with people just like you to solve a bunch of problems. And we have this fantastic program called the Tradepreneur Program, and that's how we do it. And we do it with a wonderful community of trade business owners who are all trying to fix or improve or change things to progress. Things like getting behind on quoting, Coxie.
1: Feeling overwhelmed, behind on your invoicing, feeling really stressed or frustrated about the money stuff. Sometimes you can pay the bills, sometimes you can't. What about staff? Oh my goodness. Oh my gosh, staff. Trying to get them to do what you want them to do. If you can even find them in the first place. Uh, there's so many struggles.
0: And we've seen clients tackle these things in their trade businesses in a, quite a short space of time, to be honest, Mm -hmm. during the program and recruit staff at a time where everybody was saying you can't get good staff. Mm-hmm. improve their quality from their team, collect their debts much more quickly. We How have about sessions. Getting tips? Yes. Getting tips, yes. So uh people rounding up, customers rounding up the invoice by hundreds of dollars mm-hmm. because they're so happy with the sales process and the experience of dealing with the trade business owner and their team. So some amazing stories from our clients, but you know, as they say in the in the commercials, don't take it from us.
3: Yeah. Uh, <laughs>
1: hear
0: what some of our clients have to say.
1: Coming into Christmas, we are not worried about money. We've got enough money in the bank to pay everybody's leave. There's work booked in for the new year. And for the first time in a long time, we'll be having three weeks off and not worrying about the business. That's probably the biggest win of all.
2: Using the cash flow forecasts, I've been able to look into the future and see where I'm gonna be situated financially. And it's actually started to have a huge bearing on whether or not I make purchases.
1: By far one of the best things about working with Nick and Woz are the other businesses that are working alongside them. It is amazing how empowering it is to be working alongside like-minded people who have similar goals, similar troubles. We can all relate to each other and everybody helps everybody out by figuring out problems with you that they may have faced previously. Everybody has solutions and constructive feedback and it's an incredibly friendly, warm, welcoming environment, not threatening at all.
2: From every job, I know that I will get a sustainable wage that's industry leading. I can have at least 10 to 20% profit and I can pay taxes, super, all of that and I do not have to question whether or not I can because of the way that it's been built and that is thanks to traders in business and what they've taught me and what I've learned.
0: So there you go. There's some real people. We did not pay them to say those things. <laughs> and I think that sounds a lot better than Coxie and I reading them out. We really would love for you to check out more about how you could take your trade business to where you would like it to be. Surely you have a vision of what things could be like or what you wish they were like on a day-to-day basis. Mm -hmm. Um, Whether that is reducing stress or actually making more money, maybe it's spending more time with the family, taking more holidays, having the choice
3: Mm. that
0: you really wanted when you started your business instead of this beast that seems to be there for many of you listening to this program. So if... You want to find out more about how we do this through the Tradeypreneur Program. Coxie's going to tell you all about it.
1: Free. That's how abundant we are.
0: So head over to the website, uh, check it out, book a chat with us, and we'd love to find out if you'd be a great fit for the Tradiepreneur community and start hanging out with some of those people that you just heard from.
1: <laughs> Mike, I presume given that, sorry, work, that how small the sport is that most of the people mm-hmm. you're racing against are friends.
2: Yep. Yeah, I think, I think that's mountain biking. So I used to do a lot of freestyle BMX before I – um. Before I started mountain biking, I think the one thing that kept me coming back to mountain biking is the community.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And we are all friends, and the biggest difference I can see between mountain biking and any other sport is that we're all friends, we all compete against each other, but we all want each other to do well.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And I think I think there's not many sports in the world where that is the case. Like if you if you watch a broadcast, I suggest you watch a broadcast because it's really good to see. You'll see every rider that's on every person that's on the outside of the ring, like watching, was probably riding the same event mm. earlier, not on broadcast. Mm. So they were competing against everyone, and you'll see everybody all hugs, all happy, like we're just <laughs> going into battle and we made it out the other side, and everyone's happy for everybody. So uh, it's really awesome. it's really unique.
0: I always laugh when I see Nikolai come out and just go absolutely <laughs> psycho every time someone yeah. does a run. Exactly. Uh, and he just like epitomizes that support for everybody else. Uh, yeah. And and sometimes I wonder, and maybe you can give us the inside running here, Mike. I, mm-hmm. I watch some of those, those events and I think, uh, you know, you're all pro riders. Is this like reality TV where you're schooled up a bit and it's, and it's you know there's a there's a bit of an expectation that you guys do that or is that all legit is that all authentic?
2: Um, I honestly don't think that you could fake any of that. Like we're just we're just kids riding bikes. Like <laughs> you know what I mean? Like Good kids. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Getting paid yeah, to ride not, bikes. Yeah, we're not there to we're, like nobody's there to make a million dollars. Like we're there to do our absolute best and have a ball doing it. And I think that just comes across so genuine and. Especially Nikolai is very expressive with his, <laughs> um, with the way that he is. Like, yeah, he's just so good for the sport. I'm
0: excited that we're going to have Coxie Googling Nikolai oh, you know I am. and and yeah.
1: <laughs> you And know she's I... going to
0: be watching yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Slope yeah, Style or something. I'm like, hole,
1: holy yeah. moly. I'm just not going to let any of my boys see this because <laughs> <laughs> I already have broken jaw. Yeah, 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 I don't, I don't need any
2: more. Yeah, I'd, yeah, you'll be in trouble. <laughs>
0: yeah. My my twelve year old daughter loves watching the Red Bull channel with me, and particularly oh, yeah. the lifestyle. She's like, "Oh, can we mm-hmm. watch the slopestyle?" And it's like, "I'm not doing that stuff with you, kiddo." Like, yeah. um, <laughs> your your journey sounds like, yeah, maybe not a fairy tale, but it's but it's probably pretty close. You know, you've been riding bikes your whole life. It's your passion. your work to fund your riding. It all sounds really like pretty smooth, 10 years, you know, all of a sudden you're an international gold medal winner at Crankworks. Have there been any times where it actually got, you know, proper hard? I mean, it's hard training and it's hard balancing work. That's a bit of a grind, I guess. And and that's about consistency and and discipline over time. But has there been some proper hard times throughout that or is it really just a piece of cake?
2: I think the hardest it's been was when I bought my house Mm. so obviously trying to juggle putting money to go travel and then trying to save for a house which is excruciating like especially when i'm so passionate about doing something way more fun
0: (laughs) (laughs) than a mortgage yeah exactly mortgages Um, are exciting
2: (laughs) but uh yeah oh yeah they definitely get your heart going i'll tell you that (laughs) (laughs) um but i think to put a silver lining on what was terrible for a lot of people was the travel restrictions that we had over mm. the past couple of years. It the money that I would have put into traveling, I had hmm. used as a house deposit. Mm. So that sort of gives you an idea on how expensive that mm. this sport can be. So I think the year after that was probably the hardest. But uh just trying to get that money back, knowing that the world is gonna open up soon and I need to have this funding to go and do this again on top of paying off houses off a house and um that was probably the hardest financially for sure um i think physically and like mentally is uh overcoming injuries really like that's that's probably one of the hardest things and tough on a lot of people not just yourself like your support system and people looking after you and and the stress yeah. that puts on other people as well. I think that's that takes a huge toll for sure.
0: This has just opened oh. the door for Coxie to get stuck
1: <laughs> in. You want to do me. it first? Do you want uh, to do it first, or do you want so, me to do it?
2: So I'm that just going to segue. How good of a I'm
0: just going to stand back from the <laughs> microphone agree. and Nick just come at me.
1: I'm not going to be mean because it looked like it really hurt. Actually, <laughs> Warwick had a bit of a spell. So Warwick is a, I don't know what you call them, a hobby. Hobby? Is that fair? Um,
0: I'm a I'm a social rider. I'm a weekend social rider. Yeah, yes.
1: perfect. You might have had a bit of a nasty fall.
0: <laughs> I had a UG. Sick Huge. Yeah, over jumped a double and. Yep. uh <clears throat> Anyway, new helmet, new front wheel. Uh, yep. you Yeah, know, a bit of bark off.
2: Uh, yeah.
1: You were very sore. It was pretty nasty. Yeah, I'm still actually a bit sore from that. It was three
2: weeks. <laughs> <Yeah>. ago. But, <laughs>
0: but but it's it's relevant what you say, Mike, because. Mm-hmm. Like for me, I, I love mountain biking and, and I, I understand your passion for it. I only found the sport a couple of years ago, um, so yep. I'm only really fresh. I rode moto, just social enduro moto for, for about 10 years before that. Absolutely loved that. Yep. Um, but, you know, life changed and stuff and got into mountain biking. I was like, whoa, where has this been for the last 15 years? Yeah, exactly. And it's like if I have spare time and the sun's out, or even if it's not down here in Tassie, but it's a bit cold and and boggy. Yeah. Uh, it's like, I want for a ride. This, this is the first thing I think of. Yeah. Um, other than my wife, of course, in case she listens to this episode. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but I've been fortunate. You know, I've had some big offs in motor and I busted bones and had surgery and stuff. And in two odd years in on the mountain bike, not really had anything big. Mm-hmm. And I rode with a mate who's particularly good at um, sucking everybody else into ride way harder than their ability. Yep. And he's a horrible crasher, super fast. He's he's very competitive downhiller. And I went riding with him this day and just, you know, the the ambition exceeded the talent. Uh, and it wasn't so much for me because I love mountain biking. I'm like, yeah, I just get back on the bike. You know, it's like I'll spend the money, i fix the bike. My yep. wife's amazing. Get a new lid, can't wait to get back out. But it was the people around me. And so that's what I want to actually dig into a bit with you, Mike, because mm-hmm. my wife was justifiably worried um, and she works yeah. in healthcare as an occupational therapist. So she's seen how bad this can go.
2: Yeah. It might be, might be worse
3: for you
0: actually. <laughs> yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm pushing it uphill. Uh, and you know, for my business partner and mm-hmm. even my mom and family and friends, uh, it looked pretty impressive. It was probably looking more impressive than the damage that I actually did to myself. Cause my head's pretty <laughs> hard, but like what's been, what's been some of your big offs and and how has that impacted the people around you
2: yeah so i i've done i've been pretty lucky really like i haven't had that much touch wood um so i guess it would be like i broke my wrist last year but that was wasn't too bad i say it wasn't too bad i fractured my scaphoid and had to get a pin and stuff and all that put in like yuck like my version of not too bad is not really the same as someone else's not, really. not too bad. You know what I'm saying?
0: Someone else's uh, so, thumb, and that's like, oh, that's not too bad. You're like, yeah, yeah.
2: yeah I, I probably wouldn't have I've hopped, sometimes I hop in the shower and I'm like, what
0: the hell? Why does that
2: hurt? And I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's another graze. You know, until
0: you're my age, dude.
2: <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm, every now and then I get, I feel like I'm 30, but yeah, so far, so good. <laughs> but um, I guess my worst. My most life-threatening one, I guess, let's that's, that's go with that, would be um, when I ruptured my spleen. So that was probably 2010. No, 2009. 2009. Um, it was like my last year at school. And I ruptured my spleen. Didn't know it at the time. So I just went up this ramp, fell from probably about nine foot, down onto like flat concrete at the skate park i like split my chin open and like chipped a tooth then had this like real gnarly like like the worst stomach ache you've ever had basically i bet and um we went to hospital the hospital they were like oh no it's just like bruised kidneys sent me home for the weekend (gasps) i i spent the couch. on i spent the weekend on the couch like got up went to the toilet walked back to the couch laid back down passed out i bet you did um Mum, obviously I was like this is not right we went and got our own scans done ct and before i was even out of the the ski the ct tube thing yep. they were like on the phone to the hospital i told Mum like chuck him in the car don't stop for red lights don't stop for anything don't stop at the server get fuel just go straight to emergency they're waiting for you like and my abdomen was like 50% filled with yeah. blood like yeah. And it was um it was a pretty insane time and it wasn't really until after it was all over that we realized how life-threatening that it that it really was and and I think without like my my mom and my dad and that like mom didn't leave my side the whole time mm. and uh obviously dad's holding down the fort at home with my sister mm. and still going to work and mom was remote working as well she had a laptop in the hospital boom mm. like yeah. s- still working as well and Mm. I think um, kind of just proves like how hard we work mm. as a family to, to do whatever it takes to, to do what we, what we love basically. And um, yeah, there wasn't any question about me writing again either. Mm. Like as soon as I was able to write again, they were all for it. There wasn't any, uh, wasn't any doubt in their mind that I was able to do that again.
0: There you go, Coxie. So you can take a leaf out of Mike's mum's book. And uh, just ignore the photos of the blood and everything that I showed you.
2: <laughs> it's all okay.
1: I don't, I, I must admit, I, So as I referenced earlier, I've got three boys. They all played a lot of footy, rugby league mm-hmm. and rugby. Um, And one of the boys was particularly, still is, full on, just like a bull at a gate at every opportunity. And that has meant he's had nine broken bones. Not all through playing football, but mostly I think seven were through football. And I can't remember a time I'd be nervous and it would make me sick to watch him play because I'd be worried that he would break another. But there was never a question of him not playing just the same because he was passionate about it. So I think I understand where your mum must be coming from. Yeah. Yeah, it's horrible to see your kids in pain and you'll do anything to prevent it. And if they're passionate about it, they really love it. And they're good at it. You, I don't think you can get in the way.
2: Yeah, that's right. And I think that's. I think that a lot of people need to take a step back from their busy lives and just really think about what they enjoy Mm -hmm. and try and work towards doing that more often. Um, As hard as that is, yeah, you probably got to. Yeah, well, let's not get takeaway every weekend. Like, yeah, Mm. let's save that fifty bucks and put that into. Go onto the racetrack, like mm-hmm. take take one thing and move it towards a, a positive point in your life, and just enjoy living. Like hell, we ain't we ain't gonna live forever, so yeah, go for it.
0: I love it. Mike, I want to ask just briefly about future, uh mm-hmm. and I'm probably gonna sound like a, a you know an old dad here. It's like that's all well and good. You're pursuing your passion. You know, you've left your trade. You investing everything you've got financially and physically into your sport. Yeah. What does the future hold for you?
2: Uh, Honestly, um, I've worked all my life to get to this point and I am just taking every opportunity I can that falls in front of me. Like someone like you guys, for example, like, oh, do you want to do a podcast? Yeah, sure. (laughs) Hell yeah, that'd be sick. Like get to meet you guys, talk to other people. Like um, that is kind of my... My future at the moment is whatever falls in front of me or if I decide to do something else, then I'll pursue that. And with all my might, I think that's one thing that I do is if I want to do something, I do it well and I do it as best I can, yeah. So what the future holds, let's see how this riding thing goes for this year and, yeah, if if something pops up like commentating or working in a bike shop or something that lines up with, um what I enjoy basically then hell yeah let's do that
1: that's cool is there if you were to move overseas I'm not suggesting that you do please don't have your mum chase after me um (laughs) and if you were to move overseas are there more opportunities after you finish with the sport like is that another area that we really miss out on in Australia
2: um I think so um I think the the Aussie market is definitely missing um a lot of that high-end riding and coaching and mm. stuff like that so i personally want to see like some probably one of one two maybe four other um aussies that do this and chase that world tour mm-hmm. um and i'd love to see that be like 10 15
3: mm. yeah.
2: and this facility that we're currently constructing will be for whoever wants to come and ride and so i want to grow the next like i want to see australians be what basically what like the canadians and the europeans are basically Mm. and the younger talent that we do have coming up is proof that if they have the right facility in the right direction and the right pathways and if i can help provide that pathway and provide Mm -hmm. those facilities and be a part of that journey then i've seriously done my job so mm. it's kind of my end goal really is get more people into it and yeah it's incredible more people riding bikes basically love that we'll get
1: kids coxie would be lucky a... to be mentored by you we'll
2: get coxie out on an e-bike
0: sometime soon
1: no
2: nah. i'll be perfect <laughs> <laughs> you love
1: an body e-bike in
0: I'll take her out to Derby with me when she's down in Tassie next.
2: (laughs) Down there, you going? Hell yeah!
0: Yeah. (laughs) Well, Mike, um, it's been a pleasure chatting with you. Not just because I'm a mad mountain biker, but um, I love to see people uh, giving something their all. And I think uh, you know you obviously epitomise that. And you're not the only person doing this for our listeners. Um, the opportunity to chat to Mike popped up. So I guess a little bit like Mike's philosophy, we, we jumped on it. Well, I did and Coxie just come, come along for the ride. Um, <laughs> but I, yeah, I, I just, uh, I think there's a lot in what you've shared about your story for anybody doing anything. You know, it's, it's all about that, the longer game and making those choices. You know, Coxie talks about choose your hard quite a lot with our clients, our trading business owners that we work mm-hmm. with. And uh, you know, like you say, giving up takeaway on the weekend. Well, maybe that means you can actually um, fund the next holiday for your family or something, or invest in your business and and you know reap the rewards of that over the next ten years. So, mm-hmm. I think there's some fantastic uh, philosophies in there, mate. So thanks heaps for sharing.
2: Oh, no worries. Thanks heaps for having me on, and nice to meet you guys.
0: Pleasure, mate. Now, Thank you if- too, mate. If Nick wants to follow you and yeah, make sure that she can keep up with
2: <laughs> all of your
0: yeah. escapades, mate, um, what's what's the best place for our listeners to to stalk you and follow you online?
2: Yeah, so probably Instagram is probably the best. Uh, it's at Mike Ross Rides. Uh, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, on all the social pipes. So yeah, nice see you on there. Some tips
1: on TikTok. <laughs>
2: oh man, that's yeah, it's, it's tough. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You're old for TikTok, man. You're 30. Yeah. <laughs> You're
3: out of it.
1: Well, I've said before, and I'll say again the fastest growing audience on TikTok are women between 35 and 50. Go figure ah. that one out. Mm hmm. Incredible nice. stats coming out of TikTok. They're all following yeah.
0: blokes like Mike.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
0: pushing away their
1: age wanting to be young again mike i was worried this would be really hard for me to understand you've made it easy i think kids um coming up behind you would be really blessed to be mentored by you i see a big shiny future ahead of you thanks so much for sharing some of it with us today
2: oh thank you no no worries thanks man
1: you've been listening to the tradies and business podcast with warwick bidwell and nicole cox Find out more about today's guest, tools for your trade business and other cool stuff at tradiesinbusiness.com.au.